You're tuning, You're tuning in. in. TBD. 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 To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast To Be Discussed. And it's your host, May Wu. And I have a very special returning guest here with me today to talk about uh, finances, millennial finances, situational finances, all that type of stuff today. And uh, for those who don't remember or didn't listen to the first part, which you should go back and listen to the first part, but please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what's going on with you. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, Khalid Osman. I'm a PhD student at University of Texas uh, at Austin. I study civil engineering. Um, however, I pay attention a lot to finances and I'm uh, usually watching my finances almost every day. And so happy to share everything that I've learned uh, every, and I'm still learning every day. And so I think this podcast gives us an opportunity to start to connect and, you know, see what questions you guys may have, but also answer some questions that may be pressing already um, for a lot of people uh, with regards to finances, especially now, um, given the current situation in the in the world. So, yeah, it's a little bit about me. And so happy to have you here because right now is such a crazy time. So as uh we're recording it's uh the lockdown um in certain states i i'm in california right now so there is a lockdown uh i don't know what it's like in your area in austin is it what's the situation there the austin was on lockdown and then as of today actually travis county just issued another stay home work home order Mm -hmm. so similar to what oregon and california has been doing but this one specifically for the county I know in um, Dallas also they they've issued a stay home order because the outbreak there is spreading rapidly, and but the governor of, of Texas as a whole is not ready to lock the whole state down because we do have remote parts of Texas where not many people live there, mm-hmm. and they haven't had any cases yet. So, um, and so we've been trapped in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you and your well, you and your new wife, new bride. I am so happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been good so far. <laughs> yes. And uh, she told me she was keeping the last name Wu, which I'm totally not mad at. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as I a fellow I Wu. Her, that, that, well, I told her when we first started dating, I was like, my mom kept her last name, so I don't expect you to change yours. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, you said you check your finances every day. So, how's that been looking for you since you've been. Oh, you know. <laughs> Um, the li- liquid assets have been looking, you know, the same, those don't really change, uh, paychecks, savings accounts, um, things that I could tap into at any time. They're, they're all completely doing fine. Mm-hmm. Um, however, on the flip side, um, retirement accounts, investment accounts, um, 401ks, IRAs, they, those have all been pretty much, um, I, there's no really nice way to put it, but they've been pretty much decimated. Um, but one thing, uh, I do have on my side is time, right? Being a young person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, 20 years from now, I'll look at this period as well. That, that was a great buying opportunity. You know, you don't get dips like that typically. Um, It's a great time, I think, to add to your retirement. Uh, Great time to start an IRA, to start a Roth. Um, Good time to buy stocks if you're buying stocks. Um, But it's also a good time to have an emergency fund um, and make sure that you're taking care of that first before you start buying uh, assets and equities. Yeah, so I wanna kind of dive into each one of those sections that you were talking about. So um, for somebody who I guess has already kind of invested some money in in stocks and 
ETFs and bonds and 401ks, should they be worried right now in our kind of 20s to 30s age range? No, 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 no. I, I think uh, th there's a quote that says like the the rich buy when it's the market is at its lowest and they sell when it's at its highest, right? And, and most wealthy people right now are looking at this as a buying opportunity. They're not looking at it as a sell opportunity. Um, and so because we have so much time on our side, we've got 20, 30, 40 years before we retire. Mm -hmm. Some of us even longer than that. Um, I'm 26 now. And so I've got a good 40 years before I'm even thinking about retirement. And so I would look at this period of time as just sort of being patient. Um, the economy is not going to be this way forever. And the event right now that's sort of rattling world markets is, in my opinion, one of those like once in a lifetime events that come around. Right. And. You know, I, I think the world in general will recover from this. And when the world recovers, the economy and markets will also recover. And so I would just look at this as sort of a, a dark period in time where your patience um, with investing is being tested. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that this is a great time to buy then. Um, so with somebody who's new to stocks and uh, the different type of ETFs. Actually, I don't even know what ETF stands for. So hopefully you can speak to that too. But for somebody who, um, <laughs> for somebody who's new to buying stocks and ETFs, uh, maybe thinking about purchasing bonds, where, I guess, what is the direction? Well, let's take bonds aside and think about stocks and ETFs, I guess. And where should they maybe look or think about when they're look, they have some money set aside or that they have some purchasing power? So uh, an ETF is an exchange traded fund. And so <laughs> there really, you go. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really how I think about ETFs is looking at mutual funds that you can trade on a daily basis, right? They, you can just trade it as, as if it was a regular stock. And so it's these funds that are made up of, you know, several different types of companies. And so you're exposed to 10 or 15 or 20 companies through this one fund. And however those companies do is how the fund will do, correct? If those companies go up, the fund goes up. The risk with ETFs are a little lower than buying individual stocks because it's, it's already diversified for you. It's invested in several different funds. But the, the, the tricky part with ETFs also is that sometimes ETFs are based off of sectors. And so you'll have a fin finance ETF. And so if banks are performing poorly, then the entire you know market for banks goes down, which means your ETF also goes down. Um, it's, it's I, I, you know, I'm not really super familiar. I don't trade a lot of ETFs, um, but there are some that are diversified, you know, like the SPY, um, would, I would be an ETF, which includes the top 500 companies in the U.S. And so it's pretty diversified. Mm -hmm. um, and so as those companies go up or down, the movement in that in that uh, fund is not going to be as drastic as if um, you owned an individual stock of a company. So if that company went bankrupt, your, your stock would go bankrupt as well. <clears throat> However, um, thinking so I say think about this as a buying opportunity because the markets are the lowest they've been, I believe, since 2016. Actually, today was an 11% day, which rarely happens. These, The market lately has been so volatile. It's been up and down, but it's been huge swings. You know, typically, you know, three months for, three months ago or even a month ago, a 3% swing in the market would be seen as like, whoa, that's a huge swing. But now, you know, we're getting 5 to 10% swings almost on a daily. 
um, which is, is scary for, for beginning investors, right? If you put money in yesterday and it drops 11%, you're like, whoa, that is a huge drop. Um, however, if you look at it on a, on a long-term scale, three months ago, we were at, or even a month ago, actually, we were at all-time highs. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we've, all, we've dropped about 35%, which I, to me signals a buying opportunity, uh, meaning that stocks are relatively cheaper now than they were a month ago. And eventually when the market recovers, it'll even get past that 35% and grow greater than it did meeting new all-time highs. And so for someone who now has some, some money that they can put to work, it'd be a good time to do that. However, I would caution, you know, we don't know how bad this virus is going to get or if the economic stimulus package that the um, Congress is, is presenting is going to be enough to convince Wall Street to prop up the markets. And so it's going to be volatile. But if you have time on your side, I would say this is a good buying opportunity. Yeah. So that's something that I've been thinking about, too, because I'm thinking, you know, or how long will I have to wait to see a return? And in my mind, kind of before the, hearing more and more about the virus and how it's we're not really able to contain it at this point, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking in my mind before I was thinking five to 10 years. But now do you still do you still see that as the timeline of five to 10 years uh, for the market to kind of you uh, for you start to seeing a return on your investments or you know that's a that's a personal question that i think each person has to ask themselves is how how soon do i want a return and and that's how you adjust your risk tolerance if you're looking for immediate returns typically you take higher risks which also could mean you get immediate losses right mm -hmm. but if your risk tolerance is very low and you're not you know, adept to taking big risks, then I would give myself a five or seven year timeline. Um, but to see a return on my investment, a, a significant return on my investment, typically you can see a return on your investment, you know, within a several months or even a year. But if you're thinking about significant, you know, doubles or triples on your investment, typically they say, you know, the rules of seven is you wait seven years for things to double. Um, but the way that the economy has been going before the coronavirus and the the way that the market's been functioning before the coronavirus hit seriously hit um the, the global economy i personally have confidence that you would see a return much sooner than five years oh interesting. Um, depending on what you invest in and there's a few factors actually now that plays into that and why i say that one honestly i don't know how bad the virus is going to get and, and so i would always make sure to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. And when you're setting your investment goals, I would make sure you want to set those goals that are realistic for you personally. But just from my own perspective, I, the reason why I see the market rebounding a little bit is because we're in an election year, which is usually means that it's a really, really volatile time. Mm -hmm. um, but the the markets are lower now than they were when and when uh, President Trump took over. And so. For him to seek re-election, he's going to have to work his magic and get the markets much higher than what they are now. And so I'm betting on that a little bit. That, <laughs> I mean, that, he's, a, he's he, a clown, so maybe he's able to, you know, do some kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he definitely needs, needs the economy to get back up and running um, for him to be a serious contender for re-election. Um, and so I can see him, you know, doing whatever he has to do for the economy. 
um, and that helps markets. Of course, you know, there's the other side of that, which means that, you know, if we send people back to work, we risk that the virus gets worse. Um, and then you have productivity losses from people not working and, and the ripple effect is, is extreme. Um, but, but I would say right now in terms of markets and volatility, it's in the best interest of a lot of people in government to make sure that the markets return to levels that they were at or somewhere between where we are now and where they were in, in the in the near term before November. <laughs> and I think what you're saying really is a, a great perspective. And I've been hearing a lot of people saying like, you know, oh, I'm going to put um, I, this is a great time for investing and kind of really researching that. But I can't help as like the the logical side of me, the uh, the planning side of me to be worried about um, you know, like potential um, layoffs, unemployments, and my previous thoughts of like, oh, this is enough savings for me. I'm kind of worried now, like, do I need more than three to like five months worth of like rent this time? I'm like, how much can I really invest compared to what I, I used to or was thinking before this, this virus, this pandemic? My rule of thumb with emergency funds is always three to six months. And so if you have your full month's expenses uh, calculated or budgeted, I would make sure to have at least three to six months worth of just cash in an emergency fund um, before I would start other financial tools such as investing. Um, the most important thing you can do is save money because you need to save money before you can invest. You yeah, I, I would always say you have about three to six months. And so if you want to be somewhere in the middle around four months worth of an emergency fund, Mm -hmm. I would shoot there. Mm -hmm. Nobody expected, right, this virus to get. I mean, I, <laughs> I say that with a grain of salt. China warned. China um, apparently warned us. Um, I mean, we did have that. some warnings, but <laughs> I think that yeah. as the as a layman, as the general pop, most people kind of re most recently felt only a month ago. Correct, and and that's that's what I'm saying. These like huge life changing events, you know. Right now, it's the virus. You know, ten years from now, it could be, you know, your company goes out of business or um, the you get really sick. You know, anything can really happen, and so having that emergency fund really protects you, protects you uh, from losing your your assets. The reason why you don't put an emergency fund into something like the stock market is because you could lose thirty five percent, and so if you got to pay rent tomorrow, you can't wait to regain that thirty five percent to pay the rent because then you'll be homeless. So what is it worth that you have, you know, you know, 100 shares of Apple if you can't pay the rent? And then a question with that. So let's say that um, somebody did purchase uh, a great amount of stocks and they're having financial difficulties and they want to take the money out. That money is taxed. So then you get so, even more uh, losses. Correct. And so you have um, if, you, if we're talking just purely um, trading stocks, um, not retirement accounts or IRAs, um, you have long-term and short-term gain tax and so whatever you buy and sell if you hold it for less than a year then you'll get taxed at whatever your income rate is and so for example if i have 10 shares of apple that i bought today and then tomorrow they're up you know 10 percent. i don't know what the price is right now actually so i gained 10 percent on my initial investment so that 10 percent that i gained let's say it's a thousand dollars that thousand dollars that i gained so not not what you not the capital that you put in, you don't get taxed on that. Mm -hmm. You get taxed on the gain. And so if you buy, if you pay $2,000 to earn $1,000 of Apple, 
your $2,000 is still your own money, but that mm -hmm. $1,000 profit that you made gets taxed at your income level, your income bracket, whatever that may be, because it's considered income at that point. Oh, I see. But if, you, but, but if you wait a year, then you get taxed at what is a 15% rate, you know, the long-term capital gain versus short-term capital gain. And right now that long-term capital gain is at 15%. And that's really to encourage people to not buy and sell on a daily basis. It's really for you to put your money in there, let it grow over time, and then pull it out when you think is the right time. Okay, that makes sense. And so it let's say uh, someone put in $1,000 to purchase something, but now since the stock market is so volatile and um, it, now their $1,000 is only worth 700 that money won't be taxed then? No, no. And you can actually use that as a write-off. If your income is high enough, you can use that as a write-off. You can say, I lost $300 in the market and um, you want to use that as, as a... A decrease in your income i guess oh okay this isn't uh, yeah this is news to me so that's i mean i hope i never have to exercise this but it's uh it's great to know that information it's something uh, called uh tax loss selling um and it typically happens in december when when you have people who've made money over the year from january through december they've made so much money in the market or they've made a lot of money working um that they want they actually prefer to lose money or lose some money on their assets as a way to sort of bring down their tax uh, liability. And so that's called tax loss selling. And it happens a lot in December and you'll see the market markets can get a little volatile um, in early to mid December because of all that tax loss selling. People are selling their assets to sort of write it off um, as a loss to bring down their tax liability. Wow, I hope to have that issue in my life one day. <laughs> I am not currently all there right us, now. All of us, yeah, I'm not there either. I don't think any of us are there yet, but we will be eventually. Yeah, that sounds like goals right there. And then, um, so we talked about some stocks and um, ETFs. Um, so I guess, what about bonds? This is a good time to purchase bonds. And then I know that there are corporate bonds and municipal bonds. So can you talk about the differences? And also, this is a good time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not super knowledgeable um, when it comes to bonds. Uh, but I do know that right now, I don't think it's a great time to buy bonds. Well, actually, let me take that back. W what I will say is that bonds are a safer investment, right? Because when you're buying equities, uh, stocks and ETFs and all these things, it's much riskier. But so it's like uh, high risk, high return, uh, high reward. Versus like bonds, which is like you get a steady percentage. It's almost like a savings account, but they usually set the percentage and that's what you get every year versus like that percentage going up and down. Whereas like, you know, Apple could go up 30% in a year and you get 30% returns with a bond. It's like they fix you at, you know, you get 4.5% 4. 4. return on this bond. Mm -hmm. And every year that's what you get is that 4.5% <laughs> um, regardless of what the bond does. Knowledgeable, I actually don't. Uh, trade any bonds or, or buy any bonds. I think in my retirement accounts, they automatically invest in bonds for me, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I, I don't um, personally uh, trade bonds. And what's your, is it Vanguard that you have your retirement and that's where you do your trades? Uh, so I have, I have Vanguard for my uh, Roth IRA um, and I just bought one of their funds that is, it's mixed. It has stocks. It has, it has national stocks, international stocks. Um, it also has bonds um, all mixed in there. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just the, actually anyone can buy it. It's the Target 2060 retirement or Target 2040 retirement. I can't remember. It's one of those I funds. I just bought I one of those funds as my Roth IRA. Um, through work, I have my 401 or 403B, which is the same thing as a 401k. Mm-hmm. And for that one, I just purchased uh, the top 500 companies uh, mutual fund and they, they do all the work for me. Okay. And is a mutual fund different from an ETF then? A uh, mutual fund, I think they're the same thing, except the mutual fund, I don't think you can trade like as if it was a stock. I think a mutual fund, you put your money in and just let it grow. But it's it's the same thing where they diversify the portfolio for you and then they take a small fee. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think an ETF, they don't take any fees. You can just trade it as if it was a stock on the market because they take a really, really small fee to manage the fund for you. But they diversify the fund. Um, they have different risk tolerances for mutual funds too. If you go on Vanguard, you'll see some that are low risk for people who are older and don't have as much time on their hands or on their side. Um, there's medium risk for people who don't want to risk all their money, and then there's some high risk ones um, that you can invest into. Nice. And uh, so I've been also hearing people tell me like, what are some good places to invest right now. So real estate, travel, uh, airlines, uh, cruise ships. uh, (laughs) They've they've been hit really hard. So (laughs) airlines um, were hit really, really hard. Um, And for me personally, I don't know if I would invest in airlines yet. I, I think I would wait a little bit to see what happens, but I know um, all the airlines were up about 20% today. Um, mm-hmm. So if you bought them yesterday, you'd be up 20% today <laughs> because of this uh, government stimulus package includes some, some free money, tech, some technically quote unquote free money um, for the airlines to be able to continue their operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't, we haven't seen the legislation yet and it hasn't passed yet. And so the 20% rise today was really based off the speculation of what's in that legislation. Um, but but they've the I mean all of the airlines are more than fifty percent lower right now than they were at the beginning of the month. But the problem with that is you don't know how long it's going to take them to really get back up to where they were in terms of value because of how hard they've been hit. I mean I took a flight yesterday and there was about ten people on the plane. You've got about one hundred and fifty six seats on a plane and everyone mm-hmm. pays about. 100 200 dollars i mean you're talking about each flight is costing them almost like 50 to 60 grand um not to mention all the people that they have to pay and etc etc so how long even with the government stimulus package it'll take for airlines and cruise lines and all those things to recover is uh yet to be seen yeah and like refunds like i'm supposed to be in hawaii right now but i decided not to take that trip so you know, like paying everybody back and giving travel vouchers and that kind mm-hmm. of thing is also really, I'm sure, hitting them hard. Yeah, so originally they- it was just uh, flights to China that were canceled. And, you know, I was following Delta pretty closely. And what they said was, you know, this is going to hit our revenue by a couple billion dollars. Wow. And that was just their 46 flights to China every day. And so now you're talking about almost uh, 90%, I think was their last number of flights that are canceled or grounded mm-hmm. and they've got to pay parking at these airports. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge mess. Um, if and you so, do buy airline stocks right now, you would require a lot of patience. I would say, um, even with the bailout money that's coming, I think it's going to require patience to see the value get back to where it was prior to the virus. Um, and so if you have that patience, you could, 
you know, more than double your money at this point, because I think Delta was trading around 56 to $60. And mm -hmm. now it's in the 20 range. And so if you have time on your hands, you can wait for that to double. Um, but if you're looking for immediate returns, then um, I would look for other things that have been hit hard, like Apple and Microsoft, which are staples um, in the in the world economy, um, which have also are down, I think, 30 or 35 percent from their highs um, with the ability to rebound and also exceed um, that 30 percent rise. And so. Yeah, that makes sense. And so would you say like airlines, since airlines, maybe it will take longer for you to see uh, profits, then I would assume that real estate would also be very similar because this is going to create layoffs. People are going to uh, have less money to spend. Uh, people are going to be buying houses less because they're more worried about um, their own uh, investments and things would you say that you would think that real estate would take some time as well i think real estate always um regardless of, of when you purchase is always going to take time and require patience for for the equity in the house to increase um it, usually your returns aren't overnight um uh, similar to other or compared with other assets however um i think the government right now is doing a lot to prevent people from foreclosing um, I think they're freezing mortgage interest and allowing people to delay um, rent payments and, and tenants aren't being kicked out just mm -hmm. yet. Um, and I, I think I haven't seen a huge shift in the in the real estate market. And I've been trying to watch it closely to see if if things do start to go downhill. And, you know, we're all trying to buy houses. And so if I can get a house for a cheaper price, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you're ready to buy right now? <laughs> uh, not necessarily, but if the you know right opportunity presented itself at, at this moment in time, um, but actually we haven't seen um, as much as I've been paying attention, I haven't seen a huge shift or change in the real estate market. Houses are just as, still as expensive as they were, and I think some economic data came out last week actually that I was reading, and of course it was based on February. We won't get the March data until April, um, but new home starts in February were you know, in line with the expectations. And so there wasn't, you know, a huge drop in new home starts, meaning people buying new homes um, in February. Of course, that's when the market was still rocking. I'm excited to see all the March data come out next month um, once we wrap up March and see what the effect was from the coronavirus on the whole economy. Um, I think yeah, so you're kind of waiting patiently to yeah. maybe purchase then. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> oh, personal know. curiosity, are you thinking in Austin then? No, no, I think uh, Erica wants to be in Portland. Uh, I'm not sure yet where I'll get a faculty position, and that's why mm -hmm. I'm being vague about it. <laughs> but but it would, I, I know for sure that I can't work in Austin, and that's why I'm ruling it out really quickly. Um, UT refuses to hire their own because of nepotism. A little noble, but also hard for, yeah, yeah. for students. <laughs> It's tough when you spend six years somewhere, you sort of fall in love with it and sort of build a community. And then it's like, well, you can't stay here. <laughs> Damn. Well, I guess you're going to have to exercise your expertise somewhere else. Right, right, right. The, the government is trying really hard to prevent a bunch of foreclosures because, as we recall, that's what caused the huge crash in 2008 um, was too many people had outstanding loans that they couldn't pay for. And then all these variable interest rates hit. And so people, you know, who signed mortgages for 3%, but didn't realize it was variable were all of a sudden getting hit with 7% rates at wow. random. And so you think about, 
a loan of three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Um, that's a that's a significant amount of money that you have to pay that you might not have. Um, and so the it caused the economy to crash, and it took like almost ten years for it to really recover um, mm -hmm. to where it was a few months ago or a month ago. So. And then is this a good time then you talked about uh, interest rates. Is this a good time to refinance uh, if you, I think most of us don't have a home at this age, but maybe yeah. a, a car loan, maybe student loans. Other you know, the, I, I was looking at refinancing um, from my parents' house and rates still are not as low as you would expect. So the, the Fed is, the Federal um, Reserve is decreasing the rates on, on their 10-year bond, which usually trickles down. Um, to the mortgage interest rates, but it's still not at at a point where you would say, okay, it's a good good decision to refinance because there are fees involved with refinancing. Mm -hmm. And so if the fees don't really, you know, offset what you would be saving in terms of interest, then it doesn't make sense. And so it hasn't reached that point yet, but I think it will um, soon. And so it's something to keep an eye on. If you've had, you know, a student loan or a car loan or a house loan, that you got in at a super high rate, you know, a couple of years ago, um, it, it'd be something definitely to look into to see if, if you can refinance for a lower rate. It'd be a good conversation to have with your lender, most definitely. You know, the, the rate at which the banks borrow money, I think, from the Fed has, has become cheaper. And so inherently, it, it trickles down to the consumer. And mm -hmm. so it's a conversation you might want to have to see if it can save you, even if it's not a significant amount, some, some money. That's a good point because some money is money. And right. if I can get a, a lower interest rate, you know, might as well take that. Uh, make sure that the fees really are, make sense for you. But, you know, one thing I always say when it comes to finances, it doesn't hurt to answer, uh, to ask a question. And mm -hmm. so if you go to your lender and say, hey, you know, is there a better opportunity available for me to be able to save money? Um, and it makes sense to you, then, you know, pull the trigger. But it doesn't hurt to have that conversation with them. That's what they're there for. Um, that's what they get paid to do. And so I'm sure they'll be more than happy to have that conversation with you. Yeah, that's a good point. And then I have uh, one more question about, so, I guess, before all this was happening, I was like, you know, do I want to pay off some loans that I have now or do I want to invest? And so uh, previously I was kind of splitting. I want to pay off, you know, some loans, but I also want to take out some money to invest. Uh like, what would you suggest at this time when you do have loans and also you have some extra money to invest or um, some extra <laughs> income? That's, that's a hard one. I mean, there's, there's different schools of thought, right? Um, I've, had, I've had friends or, or mentors who tell me um, that it makes more sense for you to invest that money because your returns in the market will be greater than your interest rate. So... If you're paying 3% interest every month, if you use that same money to invest it and you're making 10% returns every month or yearly or whatever it is, then obviously your returns in the market were better and you can use that to pay down your principal. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I think times like this really teach us <laughs> that you can't, you never know what to expect in the market. And yeah. so say that you were using your money for investing rather than paying off your interest and then your investment money just took a 35 percent dive and now you are banking on that to help you pay off your loan you don't have that value anymore and so i you know i think i really think it's a personal decision if it was me i really hate debt i would put 
most of what I have towards my loans and try to get those down as much as I can and, and pay people back before I started um, investing money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the opportunity is there. And I think for people, you just have to sort of ask yourself, hey, will I have enough of an emergency fund to cover my rent, my loan money, et cetera, et cetera, and be able to invest? And if, if the answer is yes, then it doesn't hurt to um, put your money to work a little bit. Even if it's a small amount, you really, and I tell my siblings this all the time, you know, I think Square, or not Square, Cash App now lets you invest. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it lets you invest with a li- as little as $1. And people are like, why would I invest $1? Because, you know, the returns, you know, even if you make 100% return on a dollar, it's $2, right? It's not really much. Mm -hmm. But I think what it teaches you is it teaches you to watch the market. It teaches you to look at how things change based on speculation, based on news. Um, It really helps you just sort of pay attention um, to your finances a little more. Um, And so even if you're investing a little amount, I think it's just sort of a good tool to have and to understand and the only way to really do it is to to start doing it um, versus like just reading about it or hearing about it. It's really just mm-hmm. to start actually investing and seeing what that's like for you. That's such a great point because over the summer, I decided that like 2020 is when I want to start getting to really, I was kind of learning in 2019, but 2020 was like, okay, I'm going to actually invest. And what a great year for me to decide that. But um, yeah. I, over the summer when I was looking for a job, I was like, well, let me download Acorn. I don't really know exactly everything, but let me download it and start like kind of putting some money into, uh, investment. And then after I downloaded Acorn, I started like paying attention more and really, because now my money's invested, like, even though it's only like $10 or, and then turned into like, you know, hundreds now, but like, I was like, well, my money's in it. So I'm more invested. Um, in my investment so I started looking and then that's when it kind of like had a trickle like a snowballing trickle effect well not really the snowballing financial term but like it like started I I started really to pay attention and that's a great point and I love that you brought that up is that you you start to really understand or want to understand the market more and you know one thing we talked about early in the podcast was about buying opportunities um, if you look at, and I keep using the Apple example, but it's just such a great example. Um, but of course, Apple is one of the top companies in the world, right? And whatever mm-hmm. Apple does is sort of how the market moves in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about Apple in 2008, actually, let me just look up the chart real quick. Oh yeah. Someone sent me this, uh, on Instagram, they sent me like these different stocks that were purchased. I want to say like 10 or like it said 20, it was like a 20 year difference. And I mean, right. 20 years is a long time, but 20 years of like Apple stocks then and uh, Microsoft and Google stocks then and Netflix as well. And then what it is now. And it definitely has shown a, a drastic increase. So, of course, it's like 20 year difference. But no, definitely. And they have done some stock splits over the, over the years. But, you know, if you like I was saying, if you look at Apple from 2008, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, in 2020, looking back, I'm like, well, Apple is $20 a share or close to $20 a share during the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, crazy. if I'd have been patient, it only would take me 12 years to 10 times my money. And so if I put a thousand dollars in, I'd have, and this is at the low, actually, if you look at 
when it was at its high, it's almost more than 10 times your money. And so looking at, uh, at times of, of despair in the market as sort of an opportunity for the, for the long-term investor, I think is, is important. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people wishing they'd bought Apple back in 2008 <laughs> during, during the worst, you know, and that was the worst financial crisis since the great depression. And so I will say in 2008, I was not worried about that at all. I think I was going to my eighth grade graduation <laughs> or yeah, I think it was a 15 or something. Yeah. 93. Oh, like, yeah. I was going to say like freshman year, I guess we <laughs> freshman year of high school. I was definitely not worried. I was worried about my hair. Now, now that we're, you know, second or first generation immigrants and, and our kids will be second generation. I think mm -hmm. we'll start looking at birthday presents a little different. Right. Um, yeah, I could, I could buy you an iPhone or I could buy you, you know, two shares of Apple which 10 years from now will be worth way more than what your iPhone will be worth. <laughs> right. Oh, I think most 15 year olds don't want the two shares. No, Apple. I know they don't. I know they don't. <laughs> but I will say it is almost my birthday, everyone. So if you want to buy me a share of something, I gladly accept. Are you um, sure? There's some, there's some shares that are penny stocks. You know that, right? <laughs> you, they should just actually, I'm just going to like, if you want to give me money, I will put that money. And to work. myself, yeah, I will put that money to work from all the knowledge that you have given me, Khalid, which I appreciate so much. And to everyone who's listening, um, this is like super, I think, important to understand your money, to understand uh, your wealth and how to like build that, how to sustain that. Um, so I really appreciate this conversation we're having. Um, and a lot of people, this is really scary. So anyone who's listening, like, thank you for listening, you know, thank you for investing in yourself. and. Hopefully you get to share this knowledge with somebody else, share the episode. And I guess like to wrap up the podcast episode, um, do you have any kind of like last minute, like last thing takeaways um, about the situation and finances in particular? Well, my, I think I said this in the first podcast too. I think the most important thing when it comes to finances, especially people who are now starting to work and make money that, you know, their parents didn't make or they never had mm -hmm. the the impulse is always to buy and to show everybody that you're making way more money than you had or mm -hmm. that you, you know, what does Drake say? Started from the bottom. Now you're here. Yeah. You want to show and you want to show everybody that. But I think the the wealthiest people do not think that way. And so one of the most important things I would say is saving your money and making sure that you have money that you can put to work, money that you can save in case of an emergency. Um, and, and it all just starts with that saving. And I think we talked about it in the first podcast and how much should I save from each check? And I think it's something that we wanted to talk about today too. That's really a personal decision. It's, it's how much can you save while still also being able to live a comfortable life? And I think you have to calculate that on your own. Um, I'm not saying don't, live comfortably you know and, and and pinch pennies i eric and i started watching um cheap extreme cheapskates and please don't <laughs> please please don't do that <laughs> you guys are going to be like active couponers and just like have be but you'll be ready though people who coupon have like stocks of stuff where they're the, just ready <laughs> i have a hard time believing some of those coupon ones this lady took her thing from like 500 to five dollars i'm like eh, i think companies are too smart to let someone coupon that much but anyways just don't be an extreme cheapskate is my point like live comfortably yeah. but just don't be extravagant be able to save and and have savings goals 
And once you save money, I mean, it just the the ripple effect of what your money does from that point on is 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 I mean, it, it compounds, right? It it just goes like it's like a snowball. Yeah. You know, if I'm able to save ten grand and I put five grand in the market and I save five grand for my emergency fund, you know, eventually if you continue to save, that money will grow. Your emergency fund will grow, and also the money that you put in the market, hopefully. Um, will be growing as well over over a, a period of time and so um be patient save your money and if you have any questions always feel free to reach out to me um i'm happy to i'm always happy to discuss these things yeah so i'm gonna i mean i'll definitely tag you and there'll be hopefully you get a lot of dms with a yeah. lot of people having questions i mean that's my that's my hope don't ask yeah. me because i don't think i'm the right person for that but any uh if they want to hit you up, it sounds like you're willing to answer some questions. And uh, I love what you just shared because I think recently, uh, you know, I just got a new job and my dad was like, oh, now you can buy yourself a nice bag. And I was like, not there yet. Yeah. I don't. yeah. <laughs> and plus exactly like not there right now, especially it's not a time for me to buy a nice bag. Um, uh, not that I don't want one, but I just don't think that that's where I want to put my money now, which I think a, a nice bag is a great investment, but also there are other things that I can invest in as well. So I think uh, I think that's really important and uh, save your money and make some good investments. So thank you for joining, Khalid. I really appreciate you coming on. No, of course, of course. I always enjoy these conversations. It makes me think about my own um decisions and, and everything like that it just helps me reevaluate so it's nice i appreciate yeah, it yeah thank you so much